You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to a bonus podcast after big day moves by the Redskins. I have Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch on with me to discuss the release of Josh Norman and Paul Richardson, as well as some discussion on potential fates of Jordan Reed and Ryan Kerrigan. Before we begin, please check out some of my earlier podcasts. Earlier this week, I spoke with ESPN college football writer Adam Rittenberg about Chase Young. Terry McLaurin, Dwayne Haskins, and Jeffrey Okuda, among others, Isaiah Simmons as well. And then I also talked to ESPN's David Newton, get some more insight about some of the coaches he covered in Carolina, who are now with Washington, as well as some thoughts on Ron Rivera's free agent philosophy, as well as his draft philosophy. Before I get to Michael, I had a nugget or two on the release of Norman and Richardson. First, with Richardson, they pretty much overpaid him because they made a mistake in not keeping Deshaun Jackson. They wanted a speed guy. So they, they signed Richardson, but he wasn't quite used in the way that a, a dynamic speed guy was. He was never Deshaun Jackson. I think the lesson there is to overthink things. If you want a guy like Deshaun Jackson, then you sign Deshaun Jackson. Their mistake, too, was they felt like they could win with their system. But Jackson makes, helps make a system look really good. Talent wins out. Richardson's durability was an issue, too. But, again, I think – what they signed him for and how they used him didn't always mix together. And then when he's not available and he's hurt, even when he is, I think that made it tough. As for Norman, I think he, I also think that he can still play just like I think Richardson can still play. I don't think Norman's at a top corner level anymore, but he still has something left. But I do think he needs a safety he can really trust. He had that with Will Blackman when Blackman played here. Not that Blackman, Blackman wasn't a great safety, but he was learning it and he was smart. And he was someone who understood Norman and how he needed to play his coverages or wanted to play. Blackman could tell Norman he had his back on a play, or he had his back on a particular play or coverage. And then other times he could tell him, hey, you're making 15 million. You got to do it on your own this time. But he would communicate with them. And Norman played pretty solid when he was there with him. It's not to blame the safeties now, but it is to say it's what Norman needs. When that safety help wasn't there, it's an issue. And now, and to my conversation with Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Now I'm bringing back in America's podcast guest, Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, because we had a few big moves today, and I wanted to go over a couple of them. Michael, I thought we were going to get a couple more. I thought might be a Jordan Reed sighting in these moves today, um, but that didn't happen. But Josh Norman, Paul Richardson, two of the four guys released for Zodem. And then Kenny Lather also released. But the two big ones, Josh and Paul Richardson, any surprise to you at all? No, and I think both notable in their own way. You know, neither of them was 100% certain. With Norman, you said, hey, you know, maybe Rivera finds a guy who knows what the culture will be, 
uh, you know, can give him production. Maybe they feel they can get him back to the elite level he clearly was in that Carolina Super Bowl run. Uh, but but so expensive, you know, for the amount of money they were going to pay him on a one-year deal didn't make sense. Then with Richardson, the opposite, you know, you, you take into account the, the cap hit that's coming even though you cut him. And that was more of just a statement about here's the direction we're moving, and this is not a guy who fits in our plans going forward. Obviously, some financial savings, um, but but that's more of a statement about here's who we're going to be as a football team, and this is what we're looking for. Well, and that's that's exactly right. I'm going to stay on Paul Richardson for a moment here, too, because I've been told um, a couple of weeks ago that what they really wanted to find was another guy opposite Terry McLaurin who could be a solid full-time starter. And when you look at the free agent class, it's not a there aren't a lot of great options available, so I don't know what they're going to do there. And the draft is really good with the receivers, but they don't have, you know, the first – you're not going to take one at number two unless you trade back and get more picks. You may not get one high up. So that was, that was the one reason why I wondered how – when would they cut Paul? Because I didn't think he factored in their plans. And I still think the guy can play, but it goes back to your point about durability. And this is – if you're trying to reestablish something here, part of that is – getting guys in here who can be available for you. Ron Rivera has maybe one of the greatest luxuries you can have in the NFL this year, and that is whatever he does, it's the honeymoon year. We're not going to be drawing him. Obviously, you know, there's certain things you can't do, but if he pilots this thing in at 5-11, and 11, nobody's screaming it's 5-11, and 11, fire the coach. He laid the foundation, he got his guys in, et cetera, et cetera. And so you use that luxury. You use that opportunity. You say, maybe Paul Richardson – if he stays healthy, if he produces, maybe he could be worth a win or a half a win to this team. Well, you don't need the win, and you don't need the half. You, you right. don't have to chase the way that Bruce and Jay had to chase those wins and right. had to make aggressive moves to win now to keep their jobs. He doesn't have to do anything to keep his job. He's just got to keep the train rolling. So why not use that roster spot and bring in a young guy? bring in a free agent who you like and obviously bring in somebody durable because you know the fans want to see a change of direction and part of that bad direction as we saw with Quentin Dunbar thing you know him not doing optional workouts these guys see their teammates get hurt every 10 minutes that needs to be part of the culture change too absolutely and I think that was one of the things because with 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 Richardson again he can still play but they also like I think what it also says they do like the young receivers they like Kelvin Harmon I think they Right now, I would say they view him as much as a backup, my understanding. And, you know, you do have, you have Steven Sims still there, and you have Trey Quinn is still, is still can be a factor maybe at one of the other positions, maybe not the slot, but he can also play the Z if they need him to. So there are other backup options, and I think the fact that Paul doesn't, you know, $8 million for a backup guy who doesn't play special teams is a lot of, is, a, is too much. And he, again, the injury factor was, was an issue. I never also thought that they used him the way I thought they were going to on some of the routes, but you can't miss as many games as he did and then not be in this sort of a discussion um, for that. Switching gears, though, because that, then it brings me to Jordan Reed, and what do you think about his future here? Well, and, and, you know, the injuries cloud that, obviously. If he can't clear a physical, he's got to get an injury settlement. But, uh, you know, it's – it would seem very illogical that this would be the time to part ways with Jordan Reed. I know you've put that out there. I don't think that's a big secret to anybody. Right. You know, this this is the time to move in that new direction. And, you know, one of the great what-if careers to me, I, I've said this, and I, I do believe this. I'm not using hyperbole. I think if he's a guy 
who could have played 16 games a year and stayed healthy, I think we'd be talking about him as maybe even being on a Hall of Fame trajectory right now. That's how good he was when he was really, really good. But we, we saw so little of that. We did. And you know, it's the shame of it is for him this year, he looked really good in training camp. I know. I, I, was, I was drinking that Kool-Aid, too, and for it to happen in a preseason game of all games, too. Yeah, and I think that's what the shame of it is. And then, well, let's, let, let's go to Josh Norman because he's the headliner today. And, again, there's really no surprise here. Um, but how do, you, how do you look at his tenure here? What's, how, do you, how would you sum up his legacy in Washington? You know, and, and this is – we may be having this Landon Collins discussion soon, too. The money just clouds everything where, you know, Josh, Josh Norman didn't play poorly by any stretch, but he didn't live up to five years, $75 million, all the talk about being one of the three top cornerbacks in the league. You know, at one point he proclaimed himself the best corner in the league. People were discussing him and that echelon. I don't think anybody's got him there right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, $15 million's a lot of money for a guy who's pretty good you know that's, that's just that's just not worth it in the end I will certainly personally always remember him as as a quirky dude a good dude a very thoughtful guy uh just just a fun guy to interact with for a few years um but I, I think the fans ultimately will will remember the on-field performance which he you know for a, for a variety of reasons some of them I believe were his fault some of them may have been the coach's fault some of them may have been the organization's fault it just didn't click. It didn't. And I agree with you. Like, I think there were a lot of times he was in the picture at the end. So the assumption was that he was the only guy that was in the wrong on that play. And I would go back to the, the touchdown in Miami, for example, um, that nearly led to the two-point conversion and the win for the Dolphins. But on that play, he's supposed to have safety help inside. And so you line up that way. And then when it's not there, you look bad because the safety vacated their spot. and you know, abandon their responsibility. But what I also know in that is that there are times where other guys may have that happen too and still aren't getting beat by as much as he was at times. And yeah, I'd, I'd be, but it was always a shrug at the safety that I think was <laughs> I, I would be curious what you think is his future in the NFL, where, where he lands, not even team-wise, but is he somebody's number one, number two? Where, where does he fit in on an NFL roster when he lands? I don't – I don't think you – I think it would be hard to look at him as a strong – and when we say number one, I mean, you know, every team kind of has – they're supposed to have another number one corner. I don't know that there's 32 number one corners in the league. So if you're looking at – is he still a top half corner? I think that would be hard to say because he wasn't making the plays. And um, I think – like, I, I appreciate a guy like Richard Sherman because I think he was able to continue at a certain level when he's used the right way but also because of the, I think the studying he does in for a defense and all that. And I think Josh did a lot of that, but Josh knew, Josh always seemed to know the player he was against more so than the overall defense that they were in, if that makes sense. And so I I think chemistry back there was just a fascinating thing because it was a group that really did spend a lot of time together and made that effort to spend a lot of time together. But it was also one of the more volatile position groups on the team oh big time and that's you know I mean this goes back several years with that I think this you know when when you know this goes back that goes back several years so that's um so yeah and I you know I I think it's good for him to get a fresh start I think it's excuse me it's good for this place to move on for him to get their own fresh start and not have any sort of lingering issues in the locker room or any sort of 
anything other than you're moving forward. And I think this kind of allows him and them to do that. And But it's funny that you talk about – I mean, he was a fun guy to cover. I always liked talking to Josh. And I do think he, there's – I think there was a lot of things he was very smart about when going over guys um, and, and studying guys. But I think there were some other things where, you know, you'd hear from guys that say he needs to be better here. But I'm going to go back to that press conference after the game in London, which to me was one of his classic moments. <laughs> yes. Truly his truly his masterpiece. <laughs> and and if, if for those of you who forget that one, that was – of course, there were some pretty bad calls. And, Michael, you have a better memory than I do with some of the stuff, the, the exact specifics. But was it, was it the, was it the um, referee was like number 89 or something like that? The 88, 89, something like that. Yeah, you yeah. called him for six penalties. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down memory lane because you've teed me off here. He comes in with Paul Pogba, who's a big, big yeah, soccer right. star. Like, like yeah. everybody in England knows who this guy is. And, and so, you know, the British media is, wow, Paul Pogba's here. Josh Norman comes up to the podium. Hey, I'm here with my buddy Paul Pogba. Uh, you know, he says a couple of things like it's nice to be here. He gives him a football or something. Paul goes and stands off to the side. I guess they don't have press conferences like this after Premier League football. It's just not something they do. And so this is like a foreign concept to him. So Josh then starts talking. Somebody asks about the six penalties. And he goes, who, who is number 89? Who is 89? He sucked. He sucked today. There needs to be accountability for the refs. He just goes on this big rant. I will never forget fantastic. Pogba's face. Which was just kind of like, fantastic. is this always how it goes? Well, you know, and the funny thing about that, too, he went off for like several minutes, and, and the Redskins <laughs> PR director, Tony Wiley, comes and said one more question. I said, Tony, we only asked him one question. <laughs> and it was, it was amazing how off – and that was also when he said he didn't bl blame, was it Tressway for missing the field goal? Yeah, it's not Tress's fault we lost. You said yeah, Tress – Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you, but, you, but overall, <laughs> I always enjoyed dealing with Josh. He was – he was, he was good to deal with. He gave us, listen, he gave us great copy a lot of the times. And I, I did think that he was better than people thought, but he was not up to, you know, when you're paying that kind of a money, you need to be a transformative player. And that really wasn't what he was here. So guy can, I think the guy can still play. Oh, yeah. You know, I just wonder, you wonder where the desire will be at because he's really kind of segued into – more than just Josh Norman, the player, which I don't blame him for. You're setting yourself up for more than just right now, but it does lead to some questions about what's your desire to continue to play or versus your desire to build your Josh Norman brand to, for, to segue into a future career. Yeah, and it, it's tough because, you know, he's been a number one, you know, the guy for so long. You, you look at Richard Sherman as an example. He's very nicely segued into being a supporting cast member. Um, and, you know, you, can Josh do that? Is that something he's even interested in doing? Um, I, I know we're all the way derailed here because we still got to talk about Ryan Kerrigan on roster moves. But I'll, I'll say also on Josh Norman, it's crazy how quickly stars rise and fall in the NFL. You remember he was on the Fox pregame show yeah. a few years ago, and that was just a completely logical superstar name for them to get and now now today he's got yeah and and you know the other thing I wonder too and it's funny because one of the things he had in Carolina was a really really good pass rush and mm -hmm. one of the things Josh or excuse me Richard Sherman has in San Francisco which has helped him is a really really good pass rush and the Redskins may actually be getting that this year if they draft Chase Young 
And, you know, clearly a guy who plays that kind of zone style that he does would fit well in that. But again, that price is just too much. And, and you know, at some point, you like I said, I think, you know, there are corners out there that Rivera knows well, James Bradbury for one in Carolina, that they can go out and get guys. And then they got to settle the thing with Quentin Dunbar, wherever that goes. And then lastly, you brought up Ryan Kerrigan. And the things that I've been hearing more, and these are from people who know this stuff, maybe not in the building anymore, but they know this stuff. It just felt like he was, instead of him getting cut, he'd be more in line for an extension, but lower the cap hit this year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And he's a guy who you talk about new culture and, and think he's already there. You know, he, he's a guy who could fit in. And I feel like 32 NFL locker rooms, he's, he's a guy who works hard, does not make waves. I, I think from a cultural fit standpoint, he would be a great fit in Rivera's scheme, as I think he would be a great fit anywhere. That one's purely about the dollars and the potential role. If you get Chase Young and already have Montez Sweat, the number of snaps versus the number of dollars. That, that one's purely economical. Everybody loves Ryan Kerrigan. You, you wouldn't find a single coach that wouldn't want him on his team from a culture perspective. Right, and I think, you know, last word for me on that too, we're assuming they're going to draft Chase Young, but, but you, don't want to, you don't need to cut Ryan Kerrigan now if that's what you're going to do, and then what if you don't get Chase Young? Then what do you, where, do you, where are you at? So I think there's a good reason. No question. Back. With or without Chase Young, I think there's still some reason there. And he can, if they get Chase Young, now you can move him into a Chris Long-type role that he had with the Patriots and with the Eagles. And a guy who can be a situational guy for you, but still a guy you know what, you know what you're going to get when you put him on the field. So um, anyway, Michael, it's going to be an interesting offseason. I think there's still, there's still going to be a few more moves to make. They can get to that $70 million or so cap figure or free up that much cap space. And so it'll, it's definitely going to be an interesting offseason. Um, thanks a lot for coming on and, and a bonus podcast for joining me here. Absolutely. Happy Valentine's Day. That a happy Valentine's Day to you, Gex. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, we're out of here. Thanks. Thanks.